0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You're listening to the uh, Life in Paradise podcast. I'm just a regular old guy who had enough of the rat race in the US and I threw in the towel and moved to San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. So the point of this podcast is just to let everyone know what it's like in a day-to-day life down here. It is a very different way of life but uh, you know, some things are good, some things are bad. Personally, it's well worth it to be here. I've spent the last four years coming back and forth to San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, and recently moved down here full-time. People are always asking me what life is like down here, so I started a podcast to kind of keep everyone in the loop. Um, I did a blog for a while, but I uh, figured this would be a little bit easier, and you can listen to it instead of having to go read it. So it's just a tale of life down here in paradise. Thanks again for listening. Check out uh, nicasailandsurf.com. And um send me an email to brandontheharper at gmail.com. That's brandontheharper at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. I know she said it's all right. But you can make it up next time. I know she knows it's not right. There ain't no use in life. She thinks I know something, maybe, maybe she thinks it's fine. Or maybe she knows something, I don't, I'm so, I'm so tired, I'm so tired of trying. It seems to me that maybe, it yeah, pretty much always... Hey everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um... Couple of things I'm going to talk about today, but the first one, and I guess you know, the main portion, is just going to be some cultural differences in the way uh, things are done, businesses are run in regards to customer service. You now, everyone knows that uh, in the U.S., the customer is always right. Uh, the goal is to make the customer happy. You want them to come back. You want them to tell their friends. And so, the goal for a small business is to exceed the customer's expectations. Um, so that they'll, you know, continue to patronize the business and support and you can grow. And so we see the big picture. Uh, we see how that pays off and, you know, for lack of better terms, the U S has pretty much been built on that. We all know the customer is always right. And I get the feeling that down here, that's not the ultimate goal. I think that, um, that it's a good byproduct. I think that the owner of the business is happy if the customer is happy, but they are their ultimate goal is to not just to satisfy the customer. I think that they think, in their mind, they have a contractual obligation to fulfill their end of the of the transaction. So, and, and let's just use the case of uh, going to a restaurant and ordering a meal. So, you order a meal and you, you know, pick something off the menu. Their job as the proprietor of the restaurant is to provide you with exactly what that meal is, no more, no less. And if they've done that, then they've fulfilled their portion of the transaction. Whereas in the U.S., you know, they want to fulfill the their side of the transaction, but they also want to, you know, increase the elevation of satisfaction for the customer. So they want them to have a better experience than what they had planned on. And the business owner is well aware that that's going to lead to a repeat customer. So in my mind, it makes sense the way that, that we do things in the U.S. in regards to that. But down here, they don't, uh, they don't strive to exceed expectations. They're just, um, you know, they're there to, to provide you with what they're telling you they're going to provide you. So in that regard, it's difficult to get them to understand. Like if you were to go into a restaurant and they stop serving breakfast at 11 o'clock. And we're just talking about a little mom-and-pop place. We're not talking about a huge chain where they have all these rules and regulations that they have to follow. We're just talking about a little um, Nicaragua-owned restaurant. And 11.05 rolls around, and you want some fried eggs and rice and beans and some toast. Well, it clearly says on the menu that they stop serving breakfast at 11 o'clock. So at 11.05, even though they have the rice and the beans and the eggs and the bread in the kitchen, they'll tell you, no, sorry, no it's possible. You know, no, it's not possible. We cannot do it. That's always their answer. And my question to them is, you can do it, but you just don't want to because it says on your menu that you don't have to. Even if you offer to pay them extra, they still, you know, they'll have to go talk to their manager, ask permission. And I assume that that's because they are, are in fear of their job if they you know, if they've been the rules. Because people down here tend to really follow structure. They stick to a set of parameters and they, and they don't vary from it. And an example of that is if you go into a restaurant and you see something on the menu, you want to change things. Like, for instance, in my case, I don't like tomatoes. And I do not like sour cream. Well, there's a little taco place in town. And I think they do it on purpose now just to get a rise out of me. But I will ask them four times in perfect Spanish to prepare whatever it is I'm ordering. No tomatoes, no sour cream. I make them repeat it back to me. I make them write it down. And guess what? 80% of the time, they start making it. And they go to throw sour cream on there and tomatoes. And I stand over their shoulder every time. And I stop them just in the nick of time because I got so sick and tired of having to pick it off myself. Because if I give it back to them and say, "Hey, I ordered this with no tomatoes or sour cream," they'll just give it right back to me and say, "Sorry." So that kind of shows me that they're not um, they're not accustomed to preparing things with a variation of what's on the menu. I assume that whenever you know they order things, they don't they don't change things. Or if you order you know something and you want to add a taco, um, you know, you have a combination plate and you want to substitute one item for another, it really, really throws them for a loop. Most of the time, they'll just tell you, nope, sorry, we we cannot do that. We cannot do it. And it just absolutely boggles my mind that they don't take the approach that we take and say, sure, we'll we'll make it happen. We can do anything you want to do. But then again, I remind myself that that's their culture. That's the way they're raised. Like, it's through no fault of their own that they're doing things that way. But that's why I think um, I think that there could be an opportunity for someone to come down here and explain the people in this town how to do business with with tourists, because obviously we operate on a different set of parameters um We could show them that substitutions are okay, and that you can upsell, you can charge people a little bit more money, and you'll end up with a happier customer who will come back you know based on a good experience, which will lead more revenue in the future. Another example one time I was sitting in a little restaurant in town, and um I really want to say the name, but i'm not I'm not going to uh Who knows who's listening? But anyway, I was sitting in a little town, in a little restaurant, and I ordered um, like a, a rice, like a bowl of mixed rice, and you can either get it with lobster, shrimp, or squid, but I wanted a combination, so I said, I would like the bowl of mixed rice, but I would like lobster and shrimp, and he just looked at me like I was crazy, raised his eyebrows, shook his head left to right, and said, no, lo siento, no es posible, which means, sorry, that's not possible. And In my mind, I'm thinking, why is it not possible? Is there like a box of frozen product that already mixed in there that you're just going to throw in the microwave so it doesn't allow for mixing of the shrimp and lobster? So I said, is there any way you can go check with your manager? Because I'm happy to pay a little extra. I would just like a little bit of shrimp and a little bit of lobster. So I don't remember what ended up happening, but um, I just remember the experience. I think they won, and I and I was not able to have a combination. It just was not possible. And in general, you see uh, a lack of hustle. Not, not, don't get me wrong. here. I'm not complaining about this stuff. I'm not whining about it because, hey, I'm choosing to live here. So I'm, I'm fine with all that. The good outweighs the bad. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. But I just have to make note of the differences that I see. Uh, some of them rub me the wrong way a little bit, but um, all in all, like I deal with it. It's not not a big deal. So not complaining, just pointing out some, some differences for everyone to see. Hopefully you can get a laugh out of it as well. So yeah, there's a little, um, a little, not a little, but a lot of a lack of hustle. Um, you know, when you schedule a meeting with someone, they may or may not be there. They may or may not be on time and they may or may not call you to tell you that they're going to be late or not going to be there. So you might have to call them and say, Hey, where are you at? And like, Oh yeah, sorry. I, I can't make it. You know, and that Take takes some getting used to being someone who used to schedule phone calls and, you know, schedule times and when, when I'm going to be somewhere, and, you know, make sure I'm there five minutes early and account for an hour and a half worth of traffic. Well, that um, that's not an option for them. If they can make it, then they'll make it. If they can't, then they can't. And you don't have the right to be upset if they're running late. But the you know, that's that's the typical mindset for the people down here. Now there are some top notch people that are used to dealing with gringos and they're they're accustomed to it. And those are the guys that are, are rising to the top of their businesses because they've learned how to to satisfy the gringos. And so we you know, we, we look at that as a um desirable attribute. And so, you know, we'll recommend so and so to our friends because he did exactly what he said he was gonna do. He showed up on time. And he didn't charge you an exorbitant amount of money because sometimes they realize that they're in demand and that gringos like them and they'll just start raising their prices, which it's fine. The free market, you know, let it work. But sometimes they get a pie in the sky mentality and they start uh, wanting to charge you for things that, you know, or charge you an amount for doing things that is not fair. Like, for instance, we have a, a mechanic that works for us on the boat. And, you know, he just sees this big boat coming in and going out every single day. He sees it loaded up with people. Well, you know, he's now at the rate of like $200 per day, which, you know, for down here, minimum wage is about 250 bucks a month. So we need him for a day. It's gotten to a point where it's it's getting to be ridiculous. So I'm going to have to sit down with him and have a talk and say, look, I, you know, I don't mind paying you well. I don't mind paying you better than anyone else makes, but like we cannot afford 200 bucks a day. So I'm going to give him the option to come off his price or, you know, we'll have to go find somebody else. So. It's the beauty of the free market. We'll just duke it out with our dollars, and whoever wins wins. Um, they're also very prone. When I say they, I mean the, the local Nicaraguan people and their culture. So they're very prone to doing things a certain way, just because that's the way it's been done. And as far as like you know, training people goes, it's it's difficult because you'll you'll train them to do something a certain way. You'll explain it to them. And then they'll do it that way, and then they'll fall back into their previous ways. And you can talk to any other um, gringo living down here, and they'll confirm this. It's not just a one-time observation. And, and, and I'm not sure why I cannot figure out exactly the reason for that is. I mean, I don't know if they think that their way is better. I think that's just the way that they feel more comfortable doing things. My big picture speculation, this is just 100% guess. I haven't researched this. I haven't checked it out. But I suspect that the, the reason that they do things their certain way and they don't push the envelope and they don't, you know, strive for perfection and, they, and they're they not um, they're not hustlers and they're not, you know, they're not constantly trying to, you know, exceed expectations is because in America or the US, we come from an area or, or our ancestors came there because they were dissatisfied with the way things were going in England, you know, in, in the old world, they couldn't couldn't worship how they wanted to worship. They couldn't do business how they wanted to do business. They were dissatisfied with their taxes. There were just a bunch of things that set them off. So they said, screw this, we're leaving. So you take this group of people who's fed up with the land where they were, and they blindly went looking for a better life. So those types of people are the types of people that look to uh, accept challenges and and overcome adversity and and rise to the top and they have no problem doing that they 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 seek it so it's their goal it's their desire whereas the culture here i think they, they were conquered by the spanish from day 1 and they were enslaved and they were suppressed and they were kind of just told like you just stay out there just do your thing we're going to take your gold uh we're going to you know charge you some taxes but we're not going to cut your heads off so the only thing that i can assume is that that's become a culture of just follow the way do things you're supposed to do uh, don't push the envelope, don't make waves, and everything will just, just be fine, like a big baseline. You know, if you look at it on a graph, you know, if you have on one axis, you have try, and the other a- axis, you have results. Um, you know, for every try, you see some results. I think that theirs is just a straight line. It's just a, you know, try equals results, and it never changes. And I think if you looked at the, if you looked at a graph of the average U.S. citizen or North American— that you would see a um, an increasing line because people are willing to try harder for more results. And th- that's the only thing I can think of. I'd love to hear some other people's input on you know what could possibly be the cause of this. That's my suspicion is that, you know, they've just had the exact same suppression for so long that they've never learned to overcome adversity without necessity. So obviously in the... Um, in the days of the civil war here in Nicaragua, they had to overcome adversity. There were, you know, there's wars, people were hiding in jungles. It was guerrilla warfare. So they had to overcome that. But when I say that they're, you know, they're not overcoming adversity. Um, I mean like in a willing sense, um, the average person is not willing to do what it takes to rise above the rest. And I know that sounds harsh. I know that people are going to, you know, think, oh, that's, that's generalizing, but I'm here and I see it with my own eyes. So, if you're down here, or you've been down here, and you see the opposite, like please let me know. I'd love to hear uh, someone else's take on it, but that's that's my suspicion. Okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and talk uh, talk some about how how cell phones work. Um, it's just a common thing that you know everyone has a cell phone these days. And in the states, you don't think about it. You sign up for a plan, you get your monthly bill, and you pay it, and you just keep on going. Well, down here, there's no way to manage credit. So if you default on some sort of line of credit someone gives you, there's not really a way there's no recourse of action. So largely because um there's no social security system, yeah, they do have a vague ID number system, but there's no network that, that manages it. So in the US, whenever you you know, you're naughty and you don't pay your bills or whatever, they they put a red X on your social security number. The three credit reporting agencies do. Well down here there's not that. There's nothing like it. So they don't offer a line of credit unless, unless you're, you know, you're established and you have a good job and money in the bank and showing income, then, then you might. But for the most part, the average person doesn't have any sort of credit. So they have to just, you have to go buy minutes in advance, like a prepaid service. Not too unlike people in the U S that don't have credit, I guess, but it's super cheap down here. I think you know, it's so complicated. They have all these convoluted deals and, and messages, you know, text packages. But you only have 10 days to use your, you know, data or 20 days to use your text messages. And if you don't use it before certain dates, then you lose them. And I don't even try to manage it or understand it. I just go down to the local store, uh, what we call a pulperia, which is just a, I don't know. Pulpa means octopus, but pulperia is like a store that has all different kinds of stuff, like a little convenience store. So you can buy your minutes there. And I, I'm averaging about $20 a month. The funny thing is that is when you're out of minutes and you try to call someone, the call won't go through, but they'll get a text message and it will say like, hey, so-and-so's trying to call you. Here's their number. So it's a brilliant ploy on the um, cell phone uh, providers to make sure that minutes are being used because every time minutes gets used, they, they make money. So... It's convenient and it's, it's, uh, it's a nice little feature. So whenever you're out of minutes, you can call someone and it lets them know that you're calling them and then they're forced to, well, they're not forced, but they'll call you back and they're forced to use their minutes whenever they call you back. So I don't know, 20 bucks a month is about what I've been spending. So maybe some less, some more. And I don't know, maybe I'm just running out at the end of the month. I don't talk on the phone a lot. I barely get service at my house. I text more than I talk. So, you know, I don't know. Either way, if I'm getting ripped off, it's only $20 a month. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Where I was, you know, I think my cell phone bill in Houston for my iPhone 6 was $170 a month. And that was, of course, with unlimited data, unlimited texts, um, all that nonsense. But I still have the iPhone 6. And I had to get a, a different SIM card put in it for down here. And um, it doesn't work quite as well as it did in the U.S. Like, for some reason, all my contacts... Um, now they just show up as phone numbers. So when someone texts me, I just get a text from a phone number. It doesn't actually show the contact name. But uh, I guess, fortunately, I don't have a lot of people texting me, so I've memorized the numbers that I need to know, and I go from there. It's also nice, too, to have iMessage so I can text people back home. As long as I'm on Wi-Fi, I can text them back and forth, and, yes, I've had to memorize all their numbers, too. Another thing that I want to touch on is kind of a debate that I got into with uh, my buddy Zach, who he'll be on here uh, for sure. But anyway, he's my business partner down here. We, we run the sailboat together, and it all started um, a couple nights ago, talking to a guy that brought up the question. And his question was, "Why is it that you know we as Americans living in Nicaragua refer to ourselves as expats, but people that are living in the United States from other countries?" we refer to them as immigrants. And he said it's bullshit, so he, he was saying that like he doesn't agree with it, like he thinks it's wrong. And my question to him was, well, is immigrant offensive? Or do you think that it bothers people? And his response to that was, yeah, it's used in a condescending way. And you know, after thinking about it some, I came to the conclusion that he, I think he's trying to protect immigrants, foreign nationals, from from being offended because we're calling them immigrants, and my whole response to this debate was that I don't think people care one bit. I think that we're overthinking it, and I say we, I mean the general population. If they feel this way, I think that over time, immigrant has been associated with different people and what they're doing. If you think about, you know, generations back, an Italian immigrant, there's nothing negative. About that, so there's to me there's nothing negative about the word. I also think that if someone started calling me an immigrant and I lived in Nicaragua, i wouldn't care one bit, and I think that same thing applies to all other Americans living in Nicaragua or anywhere else. I think if you changed it and started calling them immigrants instead of expats, I don't think people would care at all and kind of the whole the whole premise of of this and why it, it kind of bothers me so much, is that I think that we as people are getting so worried about offending people that it's it's starting to affect our freedom of speech or or the people won't say what they think because they're scared they're going to offend people. Now, now don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place to say things and you know you never we know what's offensive to people and we don't say those things to them. We never call someone fat to their face. We never say that they're bald. We never say that their teeth are crooked. Like those are obvious things. But as time goes on and we start treating those obscure areas like immigrant and expat as a sensitive area, then we unnecessarily create that negative stigma that goes with it. So it's just like if people never mentioned the fact that it was negative, then we wouldn't associate it as being negative. People have to choose to be offended. If someone says something to someone, no matter what it is, you can either let it offend you or not let it offend you. In this case, I don't think that the people whom are, are, their goal is to try to protect. So, for instance, the immigrants that live in the U.S., I think that let's not, let's not call them immigrants so that we don't offend them. I think if we went to them and we asked them, would it offend you if we called you immigrants? I think a vast majority of them would say no or we're not offended because that's what we are. And so it seems to me like a, just a complete waste of sacrificing free speech because the person that we're trying to protect doesn't care one bit that we're calling them an immigrant. I think that's happening across the board. There's so many other little words that you know as time goes on we're getting more and more you should not say that about things and I think you should say that and if you're famous and you say something that no one likes then people will have the right to steer clear of your product whether it be your, your movies or your music or whatever. Like I think the more people can speak their mind, the better off everyone will be. And if people choose not to speak their mind because they don't want to offend people because it will affect their, their business or their, their bottom line or their product or whatever, that's their own decision. But I don't think it's anyone's place to tell people what they should and should not say in regards to offending someone. And it even, it, it, let's just take an extreme example. Let's just say that there there is a, a lady walking down the street and she's overweight. And someone says, man, that lady is fat. I mean, that is rude. It's rude to call someone that. But you should have the right to say it if you want to. And then and then deal with the consequences of that person or people around you not liking you because you you say those types of things. So, you should have the choice to say whatever you want, and then you should have to deal with the repercussions. And I think that that's, we're, we're getting away from that. And when I say we, I'm talking about the American culture and the, the people who are worried about offending people. And, you know, there's so many other big things in my mind that we should be worrying about besides offending people. Personally, I think that most people out there, have the they have enough sense to know what to say and what not to say to keep from offending people if that's, if that's what they want to do. If they choose to cross those boundaries and offend people, they will find themselves with, with no one surrounding them who loves them. They won't have friends. They won't have business. They won't have colleagues that want to hang out with them. And so I think that's up to the, up to each individual, which line they walk, whether they want to be the guy that everyone loves or the guy that everyone hates. But I don't think it's anyone's place to tell them what they should and should not say. I think that if you work for a big company then you're, and you are representing them, then they, yes, they have the right to tell you what you can and cannot do. And your job is on the line. If you disobey the rules or if it's in your contract or if it's spelled out, you know, you can't speak about this or this or that, then yeah, you're signing up for that. You're saying, I understand that and I'm agreeing to it. And I'm prepared to deal with the consequences if I choose to, not follow the rules. But other than that, I don't think there's any governing body that, that has the right to say that. You know, I think that if you're a student at a school and you're representing that school, then yes, the school has the right to tell you what, what you can and cannot say because you are, you're willingly being a part of that school. And so by that, you're agreeing that you're going to represent them in a manner or a light that they wish to be seen. But in, in the case of this, as just a general public using a word and someone assigning a feeling to it, which I think is incorrect. I think there's no place for that. And I think the more that that happens, it will just diminish the value of, of free speech. So whoever's listening, feel free to call me an immigrant. Um, if you want to, you can call me an illegal immigrant, although I am on a 90-day tourist visa. But if I'm here and that expires, feel free to call me an illegal immigrant. I do not care. Uh, and I just I feel strongly that most people do not care what they're called. And if they do care, then that's their own that's their own prerogative. They can they can deal with it however they want to. They have the right to speak up and say, "Hey, don't call me that, man. Don't don't say that." You're not seeing protests of uh immigrants in the US rallying and protesting, you know, asking people not to call them immigrants. They don't have time for that. They're 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 worried about working and staying out of trouble and doing whatever they have to do to earn a living. Like they're just happy to be there. So I guess the uh, moral of the story is don't tell people what they should and should not say out of fear of offending people who actually aren't offended by what it is you're trying to stop people from saying, okay, I know that was a tangent I've about collapsed the little soap box that I'm standing on. So I'll call that good. Everyone gets the idea. You didn't tune in to hear me talk about politically correctness. So there's plenty more of that came from. If anyone would like to contribute, I'd love to hear from you signing off for now. Um, just another day in paradise hanging out, just came home from brunch and about to go for a swim. Thanks again. Check out our website, NikaSailAndSurf.com. Keep it tranquilo. Think twice, cause it's an holiday.